Hey, it's Michael, and welcome to another podcast episode. Before I get into today's episode, we wanted to make an offer to you. If you go to Marketing Saves the World, marketingsavestheworld.com or firmsconsulting.com, you will see a pop-up or you'll see a place to add in your email address or you can register on the Firms Consulting website. If you register onto that website, you get put into an exclusive list. And what you get in that exclusive list is samples of the content we have available to FC Insiders. For example, you could get a sample episode of Competitive Strategy with Kevin Coyne. Kevin Coyne is an ex-McKinsey partner, former worldwide head of strategy, and he had served something like over 25 CEOs on a personal level, on a one-to-one basis over his career. Kevin also has a program called How to Become a McKinsey Partner. It's the first time ever a McKinsey partner has gone on record talking about what is actually required to become a partner and you'll find it's very different from what you think is required how to develop deep insights which i have put together one of our most popular programs the electric car startup you will get sample episodes of all of those programs and more if you sign up to this list so that said i hope you enjoy today's episode Hi, everyone and welcome to another case interview and management consulting podcast In today's episode, I'm going to answer a reader question. A reader sent in quite a long email outlining their challenge opportunity as such. I'm going to read it out to you because I think it's worthwhile listening to these things in their own words. And then I'm going to respond to the question. So here goes. I read FC all the time and I hope you can help me. I feel like most of your advice is more for people better off than me, but I'm hoping you can help a low-income person like me as well. I don't have a college degree, and I doubt I'll ever make more than $20,000 a year, but over the past eight years, I've paid off absolutely all of my debt, including my car, and have saved up for a six-month emergency fund. I've been at my current job for five years and make $17 an hour, but I currently have a side job that pays an additional $7 an hour to help me save up for a house. I was able to push my salary in my main job from $12 to $17 an hour by implementing all your ideas at the retailer where I worked. I even taught them decision tree analyses to figure out how to solve our stock replenishment problems. Thank you for this. I live in West Virginia, so these are actually pretty good wages for someone without a degree. The advice I need is what to do with a $200,000 inheritance I am getting in the next few months. At my age, 32, I feel I can do so much more and I dream of working at some place like McKinsey or completing a degree to turn my life around but it seems so far off. I wrote to Svita from one of your programs and she encouraged me to contact you directly. I get along well with her because we have similar backgrounds coming from a mining community. I have no children that I need to provide for and I also only have that six-month emergency fund and no other retirement or investments to my name. I'm at the point where safety and stability are what interests me most. I'm spending one part of my inheritance on something that I would call a little frivolous or crazy, $40,000 to get my teeth fixed. They're in a terrible shape and sadly the extensive dental work that I need is going to be that expensive. Other than that, I have no plans to spend any of the money towards anything other than securing my future. My question is, should I save a small portion of the inheritance and invest the rest and hope it drastically raises my income so that I can save for a house and retirement over the next few years? Or should I use the money to buy a house outright in a low-income state to dramatically reduce my living expenses? What about spending my money for an online degree and then an MBA? I could easily pay the full fee at a good school in the USA. What would you do in my position? I always assumed I'd be working until I die, but I feel like this money is my chance to be financially safe and secure and maybe have a shot at retiring. This is a big decision for me. I like what you teach and I feel I really understand everything and can use it. My work in retail proves to me that I can be successful in business, but not everyone agrees. 
My younger brother and my manager thinks I should not dream for more. My boyfriend thinks we should buy a house and a car and save about $40,000 after all that. I could really use the $70,000 as a proper retirement and with the house and car paid off, it will go really far. On the other hand, having listened to every single podcast you put out, trying out your ideas and speaking to your clients, I also want to see if I can make it in management consulting. But it is a risk. I looked at the prices online for schools and MBAs and it's incredibly expensive. If I fail at this, I will lose everything and that scares me. What would you advise me to do? By the way, Svita says hello. Okay, so that's the letter from the client. I felt that in this situation, I just had to read out what she sent because it's very hard for me to capture all of the issues the way she has put it together. I think as a starting point, this letter in some ways touched me more than most letters I get because just about everyone I that writes to me is trying to do more in life because they feel they're entitled to have more in life. And here's someone who has really got very little, but has done a remarkably good job of doing a lot with very little. No debt, earning a very small salary, paid off the car, six-month emergency fund, saving for a house, level-headed person. I can only hope that through my words, I can convey to this young lady that I'm quite impressed with what she's done. And I think she should be proud of what she's been able to accomplish with so little. And I'm actually very pleased that she wrote in because, you know, she's in that position in her life whereby you're only going to get an opportunity like this once. And I think you have to take it slowly rather than rushing into it. And what I'm going to do now is going to give her some advice that hopefully she can use to better herself. And whether that means going back to school and so on, we'll get into that. So I want to point out two things before I go into the advice. The first one is that I spoke about going slow. Once you get money, you're going to get a lot of friends. There are going to be a lot of people that are going to be trying to take this young lady's money from her. Just about everyone she knows and is going to reach out to help for is going to try to take money from her. That's the way the world works. Even the dentist she's spoken to, I'm pretty sure, has just seen dollar eyes and knows this lady is willing to pay to fix her teeth because the only chance she's going to get. I'm going to get to advice on that later. Just the first thing is that once you get into money, you're always going to have people who are trying to separate it from you. So the most important piece of advice I can give you is don't act immediately on anything and take your time and think things through. Not just research, think about what you want. That's the first piece of thing I'm going to cover. But let's go to the second piece of advice I'm going to give. Well, I know quite a little bit about this lady from her letter. I don't know a lot about her. I don't know what her pain tolerance is in terms of hard work. I don't know what her stamina is. I mean, if she wants to change her life and pursue McKinsey like what Irina and Svita did, that's pretty hard to do. It's not something easy to do. It's not. It wasn't easy for them. So if... I give advice, there's a lot I don't know, and what you need to do is, if you're in a similar situation or using the same thought process to think things through, you've got to ask yourself, how do I adjust the advice knowing that Michael may not have some information about me that could alter the outcome? Because I obviously can't know everything about her, right? So let's go through this step by step. $200,000 is a big inheritance. Assuming the deal was structured in such a way that it was not tax efficient, you're going to have to be paying about a 33% federal tax on that. And I think West Virginia also has personal taxes, which could be anywhere up to 7 or 8%. So about 40% of that is going to disappear, which is a fairly big sum, right? So she's going to be left with about 120000 at the end of this. I know when you put in taxes on the numbers drop. So actually, immediately to me, she doesn't have the money that she thinks she has. She only has $120,000, which is a big amount, but not such a big amount. And if she wants to spend $40,000 on dental work, that's actually $80,000 she's left with. So it's even less than she thinks she has, right? And this is the way I look at it. You're going to live a really long time. People forget that they're going to live a long time. She's 32, and assuming she has sort of an average life expectancy, she's going to go on to about mid-70s. So she's got about 40 years left on the planet Earth. 
and she's going to be fully conscious during that time. So while 80,000 or 120,000 or 100 and you know whatever the number is may seem big to her and I'm not dismissing the size relative to what she's earning it's not a lot in the long term $120,000 of which some is going to go towards dental work and buying a house and so on it's not a lot so if her strategy is how do I protect what I have and stretch it out it's probably not going to last that long but it may be enough for her. Maybe she's just happy to have a job, to have a nest egg, to have a simple home and a simple car. And that for her is happiness. And she has to decide what that is. My gut feel it's probably not going to be enough for her because, you know, she listens to the podcast. She's taken the initiative to contact Svita. She's alluded to speaking to other clients. I'm sure she's spoken to other clients we have and so on. And she's already dreaming of a better world. This desire will only become stronger in time. So everything she wants to do for the money she has is, to me, doable. She buys a really cheap home and so on. She can do all of that, still have a relatively healthy nest egg, but it all depends on her needs and expectations. You know, for her, saving something like maybe thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 as a nest egg is a big amount and she's happy with that, that's fine. But once you start exposing yourself to a better way of thinking, once she even imagines she can have the life Svita has, and for those of you wondering, Svita was a scholarship client we had many years ago and she's well documented on the website you can look her up and you know she came from the fire of russia we helped her get into a school in moscow helped her get into a school in paris she went and joined mckinsey and now she has a baby and she sent me photos of the baby and so on right so if this young lady is imagining she can have a life like svita it's not going to diminish it's only going to get stronger and stronger and stronger so my feeling is that she's got to find a way to invest this money not in the stock market but in herself you know, a lot of people, when you ask them about investments, they always talk about stock markets and bonds, property. But the most important investment you can make, especially when you are young, is in yourself. It's the only asset that you have total control over. Stock markets fluctuate, especially these days. Bond markets, it depends, right? If you are going after a very risky basic debt, you're going to end up paying a lot. But also, it's a market that she doesn't understand. And to get someone to help her understand, she's going to get a broker who's going to advise her. And my guess is that broker is not going to put her needs first and it's probably going to take advantage of her. So I'm very wary of, you know, people just say invest your money in stocks, invest your money in bonds, get a financial advisor. That exposes you to risk. There are numerous examples of people being taken advantage of because they have no leverage. And this lady has no leverage. People are going to look at her, think she's very poor, very naive, and she can't really do anything if they take advantage of her. And this is the way the world is. People are going to do that. So while she's thinking about all the options about buying a home and so on, and I can see that's very appealing, she needs to invest in herself. That is what I would do. Now, let's just cover one of the important points. So this thing about the dental work, $40,000 is a lot of money. And I'll say this and I'll explain, but the US market is overpriced because the bulk of any work you do is primarily labor and labor costs are very high in the United States. So $40,000, she could completely change her body in a low cost, but high quality medical destination like Thailand, India, South Africa, and so on, right? But she doesn't have to spend so much. And my advice is get a passport, and consider going to a place like Thailand. You, know, you can go to a world-class facility and they'll charge you something like $3,000, $4,000, maybe even less. You fix all the teeth and you get a vacation at the same time. But I definitely would not be spending $40,000 on dental work in the United States. It is not worth it. The costs are too high. Quality is an issue. And even though she's got an estimate, I'm pretty sure there'll be other costs baked in there. And if you get hit with that bull at the end, it's going to probably destroy her. So my advice is do it internationally. Even Mexico, very close to the United States, world-class facilities. That's what I would recommend she does. 
Let's assume that after all of the taxes and so on, she still then has about 115,000. Let's say 5,000 goes for that, right? Even that I think is too high given the dental work she wants to do. The next thing she has to consider is how she's going to invest in herself. Now, the big problem I find in Western culture is people always assume that if you throw money at a problem, you throw enough money at a problem, you get a better solution. So there's a, there's a belief that if you spend a lot more, you get a better solution. And my advice is not to do that. So the one piece of information I don't have is whether this young lady has a high school degree or not, a high school diploma. My advice is if she doesn't have it, that's where she should start. Get her high school degree done. There's many online options to do that. It could take her a year to maybe two years, but that's where she should start. That will take her to about 34 years old. The next thing she should do is go to a accredited university. Now, I can imagine one of the draw points here is she should go for vocational training where she learns some trade skill that is quick, pays relatively more, and gets you working very fast. The problem with that is that a trade education is usually not recognized and is not given the same kind of credibility as an accredited three-year degree from an accredited university. So, she should look at going to a state. So once she finishes high school, go to a state school where they're in-state as well. Because if it's in-state, the fees to her will be much lower. And if it's a state school, it'll be, it'll be much lower as well. My only advice is make sure the word state isn't in the name of the school. Because when people look at degrees, they immediately discount a state school. So if you go to a, a state university that doesn't have the word state in the name, the value immediately goes up. Now, again, the reason I'm recommending these things is because she's improving her worth as a person, but she's not spending a lot of money. Because one of the mistakes people make is just throw money at a problem, hoping it will fix it. And I, and I think you have to have options. You have to imagine that things could go wrong. And even if you throw money at the problem, it doesn't mean it's going to go faster. With the path I'm laying out here, she still keeps her current job. She studies at night gets a high school diploma, gets into a state school part-time, don't do it full-time because money problems, and then she needs to figure out how to finish that degree in time, right? When she has that degree, her options open up dramatically. Then she can consider going into a better MBA program. Now, if you get into a top MBA program, you're going to be earning about 160 to 120,000 a year for the rest of your life minimum. It automatically makes up for that $120,000 nest egg that she's collected. So that's what I would recommend for her. But I would certainly not recommend excessive spending, trying to fix the problem by throwing money at it. It's a process. I mean, if you follow the story of Irina, Irina is actually pretty similar to this. She didn't have a degree when she came to us. We made her finish a degree, then we put her into an MBA program, and she's obviously done very well since then, right? Managed to get into McKinsey as well. Similar to Svita, but the, the difference is Svita, we worked with her while she was still thinking about university and so on. But Irina had passed that stage and had to go back to university. So that's what I would recommend, but I would certainly not assume that 120,000 nest egg is going to be big enough to help her do what she wants. So that's the first assumption I'd put aside. The second assumption is to assume that just throwing money at a problem is going to fix things. And the third one is that as you pursue this path, you want to build yourself into an asset. So the assumption here is that don't assume the most valuable asset is something in the financial system. It's how she develops herself. Because if she develops herself, that can never be taken away from her. So that's my advice. Some parting words here. 32 may seem old. But when you get to 42, you're going to feel old. When you get to 52, you're going to feel old. 62, you're going to feel old. My point is this. Don't make decisions as if your life is over. Because it's not over until you decide it's over. You can be 42 and reignite your career if you want. You can be 52 and reignite your career. The issue is, how do you see yourself? And are you surrounded by other people 
whom see you as someone whose life is over at a certain age. Because if you've built a routines for yourself and you've built a life for yourself whereby every action you take works in the assumption that your life is now ending, then your life is ending. But you've got to think about what you are worth. And even if you think you're worth nothing, you can always increase that worth. So the advice I'm giving this lady is based on the assumption here that at some point in the future, no matter how well she manages this $120,000 after taxes, she's not going to be happy with where she ends off. And I'm helping her lay the foundation so that when she's not happy, she has more options in life to look on them. And a degree is the fastest way to transform your life. And when I get emails from clients telling me, oh, you know, I went to a school, Duke University, it's not such a good school. And I'm thinking to myself, you went to Duke University, it's one of the most elite schools in the world. What are you talking about? The fact that you can't see the value in your degree and you don't know how to use it does not mean the degree is not valuable. And I, I remember getting an email once from a big four consultant who told me that, well, I didn't go to such a good school. I went to the University of Texas in Austin. I'm thinking, what do you mean you didn't go to a good school? You went to one of the best schools in the world. It's the University of Texas. You have a degree. You speak English, right? You got to figure out how to do something with it, not commoditize it because you can't see the value in it, right? You've got to figure out what it's worth and allow it to open doors for you. I've lived all over the world. I mean, grew up in the emerging markets, worked in emerging markets, worked in the West, and none of that is going to be possible or none of that was possible without a degree. A degree does many things for you. You may not see it, you may not want to see it, but it is a huge game changer. The irony is that because so many people see it as a rite of passage, a tick in the box, they don't realize the value that it has and they don't use it like it has value. For many people, they'll get a degree and they'll say, well, you know, I have a degree in finance and history. It's not helping me. It's not helping you because you have a weapon that you don't know how to use. Uh, you have a three-year degree, which means you're automatically treated different from everyone else. You could do things with your life if you wanted to do it. You basically have a standing invitation to work at any major company. You just need to act on it. So summary, go to Mexico on vacation and only spend $4,000 and they'll do a much better job. But just make sure it's an accredited institution. Thailand is also very good, much cheaper than Mexico. India is also very good. They'll do an amazing job and you'll have lots more money left over. And of course, you know, you'll get to see the world a little bit as well. So get your passport. Two, keep the money right now. Don't spend it. Put it into a savings account or a two-year fixed deposit whereby you're earning something like 2%, 4% or something like that. But don't leave it in a typical bank checking or savings account. You're only going to earn 0.2% interest. Do not fall for the temptation of stock markets, bond markets, and so on. It's not worth it, right? Then get your high school diploma. Go to a state school. You mustn't have the word state in it when you're getting your degree. Get a degree. It doesn't matter what you get. If you want to study medieval fighting techniques, get a degree in history, but do well. That's the goal. You have to do well. Do well, get your three-year degree, and then come back to me and I'll let you know what you need to do after that. But then you have many options here. You may not even want to go into consulting. You may not want to do an MBA. You may not want to work at McKinsey. And while you're doing all of that, continue listening to our podcast and implementing what we are teaching. You don't have to go to university to learn what we teach. In fact, universities don't teach the things that we have in our programs, right? Now, for our insider clients, the ones who are loyalty long-term members, if you are in a similar position, or even if you're not in a similar position, but you identify with some of the issues, listen to the EMBA program. A lot of people think because it's an experienced hire program, an EMBA program is not relevant to them. I tell every single client to start their training with that program. It sketches out the way the world is going to view you once they think you are past your prime, even if you're the youngest person past their prime. And it sketches out the way the world is going to view you and how you're going to have to respond to that judgment the world has applied to you. Then, final piece of advice for everyone. There's an article on the firm's consulting website called An Unusual Competitive 
advantage or an unusual career competitive advantage. Basically, I've written many articles about the way I grew up and so on. And one of the things I always tell people is that I pursued a scholarship. So when I went to university, my family didn't have any money to send me, but I didn't worry about debt or anything like that. I simply wrote to a lot of companies and many of them are more than happy to fund students who are high potential and may not have the ability to fund themselves. The reason I bring this up is because I have a lot of clients who assume just getting into university is enough. It's going to change your life. And what the article talks about is that it's not enough whether you get into a good or a bad school. You need to have the tools to compete when you are there. And part of having the tools means having the funding to buy a laptop, to go for internships. And so, I mean, I could go for unpaid internships if I wanted them because a scholarship paid for me to do whatever I wanted. I actually managed to get paid employment as well. So I was in a much better position. But the point is that it's a very American thing whereby you take on a lot of debt for your education or you get these really mediocre scholarships that universities give you. you know, there's a whole world out there where companies pay you money to study. Some of them will then want you to work for them, but it's not that common, but I'm sure you can negotiate it if you wanted to. And they give you money for traveling, books, laptops, in my case, even clothing. They even arranged employment for me during vacations. So read that because I think it's going to matter significantly. Then read the story about Arena, you know, from unemployed to the big six, because all of the challenges that this young lady is going to have to face, Arena has been through it. So when you're trying to visualize the path I'm laying out for her, read about Arena, because then you can see what has happened and you don't have to worry about whether you are visualizing it correctly. As always, if you have any questions, send them to us, email them to us. And if they're interesting, we will respond to them via podcast because I feel that I can give better answers versus typing them out onto the website. Take care and we'll speak soon. And that's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed doing the episode. Finally, I want you to remember that the only way to get access to our special offers, the only way to get our special pricing, and the only way to get samples of our insider content is to join the list on marketingsavestheworld.com or firmsconsulting.com. Just remember that Bill Madisoni's memoir and documentary, the 20-episode documentary, and his memoir is going to be released worldwide soon. As far as we know, it is extremely rare for a former McKinsey and BCG partner to publish the memoir. The special pricing that we will offer will only be offered for a limited time and it will be only offered to people who subscribe to that email list. It's the only way also to get access to our unique advanced content that we make available to insiders. So if you want to get a sneak peek of things, test it out, see what's in there, this is the place to go. And finally, I want to thank you again for making us one of the largest podcast channels around the world for careers and for the 2 million downloads and counting.